The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome. My name is Maureen Metcalf, and this is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates, an executive advisor, a speaker, coach, and author of an award-winning book series focusing on how leaders innovate the way they lead. I'm also a faculty in universities in the U.S. and Germany. I'm really excited about today's show. We're going to feature two keynote speakers from the CIO Tomorrow Conference held in Columbus, Ohio in April 2016, sponsored by Business First. The interviews are conducted live at the conference, so you're going to hear a little bit of background noise from people attending the conference. In early 2015, Fortune magazine sent a survey to each of the Fortune 500 CEOs, asking in part what their companies saw as their greatest challenge. Not surprisingly, the largest response was the rapid and disruptive pace of technology change. Those CEOs knew that disruption creates pivotal points at which normal patterns can no longer reasonably be maintained. Their concerns about how the advances will impact the future expectations of their companies, both from a capabilities and a consumer point of view, are important perspectives worthy of serious consideration. Change is a choice, not a mandate. But success is also a choice. So today's conference is really shaped around this survey and helping leaders explore in various CIOs specifically and technology leaders look at what these disruptive changes might look like and how they respond. So as organizations prepare to make choices around these disruptive pressures, they need to be prepared with information as well as have skills to change their people. And so our first guest, who is no stranger to change, is Ty Lee. Forbes describes her as a modest tycoon behind America's biggest woman-owned business and includes Ty on their top 20 self-made women list. Ty presented her perspective on disruptive business models on those specific to the IT industry. Then she charted SHI's journey in a constantly changing industry. So the company that Ty runs is SHI. She's been a majority shareholder, president, and CEO of SHI since 1989. With projected 2016 revenues of over $7 billion, SHI is one of the largest privately owned technology companies in North America. Under her leadership, SHI transformed from a $1 million software-only regional reseller into a global provider of information technology products and services. 
over the 26 years, SHI achieved a growth 100% organically without mergers or acquisitions and without taking on debt. SHI provides IT procurement, IT development, asset management, and cloud competing solutions for tens of thousands of organizations around the world. Okay, so welcome, Ty Lee. Uh, this is Maureen Metcalf, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations, and we're with Ty Lee at the CIO Tomorrow Conference. So Ty, will you tell us a little bit about, uh, of your company's platform, you talk about four key elements, one being people. How do you identify the characteristics of people you're recruiting? So people are the most important um, ingredient or key to any organization's success. And um, what we look for in people are people who respect others, okay. who treat others as they would like to be treated. So uh, team player, people with ethics, people who have uh, a really giving principle, uh, leaders who want to give as much as uh, they want to leave. Okay. So those are kind of um, characteristics that we look for at SHI. So how would you identify, say you're looking for a new mid-level leader, and I realize that people tend to stay, so you're not recruiting a lot at the mid-levels, but if you were looking for someone at a mid-level, what would you be looking for? Where would you find them? So fortunately for SHI, we've been able to recruit most of our managers and executives from within. So by the time we have, uh, we're recruiting the new managers and executives, they have worked for SHI for a number of years. And so we know mm -hmm. how that individual works. And so we're able to make a lot of right choices versus mistakes. So that has been uh, really helpful for SHI that we have been able to promote from within, not look for external really talents and really allowed us to um, identify the right candidates, the candidates that we are ready to. So what level do you generally hire? So we hire a lot of college graduates. Okay. So in Austin, for example, over the last 12 months, we have hired probably 300 new college graduates. In Somerset, New Jersey, uh, we probably hired more than 150 new college graduates. And these are typically liberal arts major um, who don't um, have really, uh, do not have a very specific career decisions, mm. career, career path. Okay. And, uh, we like to hire people who have general liberal arts skills, ability to read and write and speak and think. Mm -hmm. and are relatively flexible as to you know, where they want to take their career plans. So then what? how do you develop them once they join? So we have a very good training program. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have two departments that are very large, uh, disproportionately large within SHI. One is uh, customer service, uh, which, which call, we call inside sales organization. Okay. And we have a very rigorous three to six months uh, three to six weeks program initially and then an ongoing training program thereafter. And then for outside sales organization, we have a very uh, structured training program as well. So the kind of the old IBM model that you enter as a junior person and we teach you all of the technical skills and you hire for behaviors. 
That's or right. mindset. I think, I think technical skills um, mm -hmm. can often be taught, and uh, in fact, the previous knowledge that you might have um, are often becomes often obsolete. What doesn't become obsolete is one's character and one's willingness. To, to work hard. To, to work hard, their work ethic, mm -hmm. their um, the attitude about you know, how they should interact with people, And you've talked a lot about loyalty. Is there a way you can tell if someone's loyal during an interview? Well, we know by tenure. <laughs> right. I'm thinking more of the college grads. How do you know it? We do not. 22. Right. We, make, we, we, we don't know. Okay. And we don't want somebody who intend to you know, work NSHI for 10 years. I mean, almost almost no millennial these days have right. the intention to work a very long time in any given organization. And, and we actually think it's healthy mm -hmm. for uh, relatively new college graduates to explore many different career options. And so many times you know, we train people, they're mm -hmm. doing really well, but they leave SHI to try new companies and new industries, uh, and then we often accept these individuals back. Ah, so your investment goes full circle in that way. So that is correct. So we do rehire a lot of mm -hmm. people who have done that. And if an individual wants to leave SHI, actually welcome that. For a young person, it's very important for them to explore the world mm -hmm. uh, because uh, really we want to make sure that that person finds a right fit the right organization. Mm -hmm. So you're much more whole person oriented than how do I put a wall around our place and make sure nobody exits. Correct. Uh, many of our most valuable people have already left SHI and come, come back. Mm -hmm. And they come back much more valuable because they have perspective um, mm -hmm. of the world outside of SHI and their personal experiences. Those are welcome uh, experiences in my mm -hmm. So have, has your recruiting changed based on the generation, so millennials, are they different in how you recruit them and how you train them than the prior generations? So over the last few years, we have trained and recruited a much greater number of fresh college graduates. So we have a lot more structured and rigorous training and recruiting mm -hmm. process in place, but that wasn't always the case a few years ago. So you know, when you're just mm -hmm. hiring six to ten every month, it's so very different than if you have to hire 30, 40 people uh, every every month. So okay. As we have grown, we have become better at recruiting and we have become better at training and retaining our best people. So once people go through the original training, and I say I'm now two years in, is there annual refresher? How do you attend to continued education? So depending on the function and the vision you work at, mm -hmm. there is there is ongoing need to uh, refresh your knowledge, and, uh, especially if you're in a technical area. Pretty much, you might have learned several years ago, could be obsolete. So yes, there is ongoing need for training, and it really mm. all depends on which department you okay. are um, in. So one of the things you mentioned during your talk was your culture. Can you tell us a little bit about the culture? Because I'm assuming that that the environment you have created is really contributing to retention. Mm -hmm. So our culture, first and foremost, is a can-do attitude. So mm -hmm. We have a lot of people who touch customers on a daily basis, 
and that keeps the organization um, highly um, customer focused. Okay. And we think that's a very good thing because at the very bottom of everything, we have to keep our customers happy in order to continue to gain their trust and gain new opportunities. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of a selfish motive, but you know, if we can't service our existing customers very well and if we can't keep them very happy, then mm -hmm. our future is severely impacted. So it sounds like creating a healthy ecosystem. We take care of our people, our people take care of our customers, and we partner with them and continue to grow. That's right. I mean, we're trying to create a win-win with our customers mm -hmm. so that when, you know, when we are the chosen provider, then mm -hmm. the customers can actually benefit from us, whether it's in terms of reduced spending, mm -hmm. better better extracting better value or better services. Mm -hmm. we, try to, we try to provide really experiences that are great and the best value that customer can find in the marketplace. Well, and what I, what I will say that I know of you is through my contact with Angela, who was a prior guest, who is highly committed to SHI because of the service that you've provided. So, so it seems like I realize that's a data point of one, but that your business has grown and been successful because of the service as, as a significant differentiator. So in case of Angelo, uh, he is, uh, his organization, COPC, is serviced by Ken Patel, who is a very talented and dedicated person. Mm -hmm. he, would, he would answer questions and really service you regardless, um, really almost 24-7. So we have a lot of very dedicated people in the field mm -hmm. who are committed to providing the best service possible as well as most responsive uh, service possible. So it's really because of people who are so dedicated to servicing your customers mm -hmm. that the entire organization can be successful. And what I understand is you model that, that this is not something you just talk about and hide in your office, that, that you're actually out with your people in the organization all the time. Well, certainly, I certainly don't want to take a credit, <laughs> but I would say, on the whole, our leadership uh, team mm -hmm. are also very service-oriented, and we may not be servicing our customers directly, many times we are, though, but we are very focused on servicing our individual contributors who then service our customers. It's really the entire organization's focus is mm -hmm. really evolves around providing exceptional value and experience for our customers. So how do you reward those who do it best and how do you help along those who are not doing it as well? Yeah, so as in any organization, there's that top 10-20% who mm -hmm. really get it without any coaching. Mm -hmm. And so we'll focus on the next year. We'll need more focus, attention, and training. Mm -hmm. Help them get to be exceptional. Okay. So it's, it's an ongoing work. Um, I, I assume for pretty much every organization, not mm -hmm. just SHI. Well, and it sounds like, again, it circles back to training. Part of what I was trying to point to is the idea that you've created a culture of service, you model service yourself and with your leadership team, and you've created systems that continue to build on by training, by rewarding customer service and helping people, identifying those who aren't doing it as well, and helping them build their capacity. Absolutely. Really, what's fortunate about SHI is that we have 
very few people who's intentionally not servicing our customers mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. well. So we really don't have to worry too much about um, our individuals who are not performing to mm -hmm. our expectations. We, we really have to just make sure that we provide as much help and coaching and training mm -hmm. as possible so that everybody can become like the contentment tells them. Thank you so much. It's Thank been you. great to, to talk to you, and I really appreciate you joining us for this interview and taking time out of your busy schedule. Thank you very much. Okay, so to summarize Ty Lee's interview, people are the most important ingredient to organizational success. They look for people who want to give as much as they get, team players with ethics and loyalty. Most managers and executives are promoted from within, so they hire mostly college graduates and invest heavily in training up front and also ongoing, predominantly liberal arts majors with general skills who are flexible with their career plans and able to grow and morph with the company. Technology skills can be taught and become obsolete, so that's why they focus more on liberal arts skills and people who are willing to work hard and demonstrate loyalty. Interestingly also, they recognize that millennials will explore many career options unlike some of their predecessors. So they encourage them to work with SHI. They're well-trained. Many of them leave, and then they come back. So the investment goes full circle, and in their return, they come back much more well-rounded and, and with better experience. So it's the belief of SHI, and Thai specifically, is that we support the whole person, not as a cog in our process, but as human beings who are employed by us for a period of time. And this really ties back to the Gallup engagement work, that people are significantly more engaged and more productive when they're seen as a whole person who is treated as valuable beyond the, the work of the enterprise. SHI is committed to providing the best value and most responsive service to their customers, and it is this investment in their people that allows them to differentiate themselves based on their service. Ty models this level of service. She set a culture through her actions and also through the reward system that she has directed and, and encouraged the company to build that rewards capabilities in the area of customer service and also identifies areas where people are falling short and they provide additional education. So thank you very much to Ty for joining us and sharing her management and leadership style and helping us understand how that has differentiated SHI. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, 
online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Our second interview is with Dr. Dale Myros. He's a retired Air Force Major General. Dr. Myros is the first president-appointed, U.S. Senate-confirmed, chief information officer of the U.S. intelligence community. He'll be addressing the challenges conventional, addressing and challenging conventional thought about the role of today's CIO. Technology leaders find it increasingly difficult to differentiate those few things that matter from the many that seem to be important. If current discourse is reflective of thinking, then CIOs are stuck in the mindset and language that fails to inspire confidence within the C-suite, board of directors, and functional colleagues. By contrast, those who depend on the CIO rapidly moving the, quote, technology cheese without consultation and the bad guys changing the threat landscape with even greater speed in spite of their best efforts. With over four decades of military, government, industry, and academic experience, this internationally recognized technology thought leader offers practical advice for CIOs in navigating the 21st century digital world. Dr. Maya Rose is an internationally respected subject matter expert on leadership, strategic planning, cybersecurity, e-health, and information technologies, as well as intelligence and military matters. Hi, welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We're at the CIO Summit live with Dale Myros. Dale, why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll start in with some questions. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, I spent uh, over three decades in the United States Air Force and most of my career was, was spent in either space systems or information technology. Uh, I went from there to uh, uh, the first chief information officer for the intelligence community in the Bush administration. And then uh, after the Bush administration left left office, I, I joined uh, 
uh, an aerospace defense company where I started up a uh, cybersecurity business. Uh, ran that for about three years, and I've been uh, consulting ever since uh, on uh, for my own company, and also uh, teaching graduate school at Carnegie Mellon and Syracuse University. So thank you for giving uh, an incredibly insightful presentation here. And for people who weren't able to attend, I want to ask you a few questions and see if you would share your insights. Sure. One of my first questions is, what is the mindset of the CIO of the future with the presumption that what you do going forward isn't going to be the same thing you did in 2010 or 2015? Sure. I often talk with CIOs about the CIO selfie. Okay, and, and we'll what's know, that? We we'll uh, know what a selfie is. <laughs> you know. How often do you take selfies? I don't take selfies. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever <laughs> taken a selfie, but professionally, I recommend that we do that. Uh, and and, and uh, my point is, is that how we see ourselves might be different than how others see ourselves. Probably is. Probably is. And, and the successful mindset of a mm -hmm. CIO is somebody who looks up and out understanding how other people see them, see their contribution, mm -hmm. uh, see the merit that they, that they bring to a position and all that kind of good stuff. So, what I often see in mm -hmm. CIOs is a down and in. I'm here to manage the IT. I'm here to supervise technicians. That is, mm -hmm. Those are the characteristics of what I consider not a successful CIO. So when you say up and out, you're talking, I, I am connected with the vision of the organization. I am connected with the organization. I'm connected with partners. I, can, I am connected to all stakeholders and mm -hmm. customers of what I provide. And when you talk about customers, are you talking about internal customers or external customers? It depends upon the reason I was hired. Okay. Some CIOs are hired strictly to take care of the, of the internal workings, internal IT of the organization, and others are, are, are hired to be profit centers or, or uh, outreach, you know, mm -hmm. and manage the outreach to, to customers of the, of the organization. And so, so uh, again, the, who's the customer? And how you interact with them is all dependent upon the organization, the reason for which you were hired. So I worked with one IT organization, multi-billion dollar company, um, and there, when I came in, the CIO was new, and they were really looking at the purpose of IT, mm -hmm. and a segment of the organization thought the goal of IT was to be as cheap as possible, mm -hmm. where, where off-site storage might mean I took a tape and threw it in the trunk of one of my guys. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, that was one of our joint ventures. And by the way, that's not an unusual thought, <laughs> unfortunately. All I could think of is somebody's going to get caught in a strip bar. <laughs> and this is going to be front he headline right. news in that part of the town. Yep. Um, the other was highly sophisticated, and they were looking at how does technology serve as a differentiator for the organization. Sure. And so that highlighted the, the range of possibilities mm -hmm. of the CIO and and the range of sophistication required. Sure. The, the tape in the trunk guys, very different hiring criteria mm -hmm. than where the differentiators. But again, it's highly dependent upon organizations. And okay. the thing about organizations is, is some organizations' value proposition mm -hmm. is conducive to thinking of IT as a commodity. And that was where they came from was that. That's right. They brought in a strategic CIO, and mm -hmm. his value proposition was um, innovation, and yet the organization didn't line up behind innovation. It was a nice idea. Yeah, it was a nice idea, because, but the, you know, the culture change had, had not taken place. 
And so any, anybody hired in, and, and, I've, and uh, so I've, I've uh, had this uh, opportunity several times in my career. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, it seems like later in my career, I had, I had it more often than I did, did earlier. I was brought in to change the culture of an organization. Mm-hmm. And, and, and changing the culture of the organization is a different process than making the right decisions associated with IT. Thing is, is you have to integrate the two two thought processes mm-hmm. so that the second follows the first. So, give an example, if you would, of how you've changed a culture. Okay, so uh, after after 9/11, mm-hmm. uh, the United States government, the United States military, decided mm-hmm. to create U.S. Northern Command. Okay, so you were still in the military. I was at that still point. in the military. Okay. I, I was uh, I was assigned to U.S. Space Command, responsible for the communication satellites that the United States government flew. Oh wow! Okay, so the the importance of satellites after 9/11 mm-hmm. becomes yeah, pivotal. Yeah, yeah okay. it really does. And so we're we're creating the first military command responsible for the direct defense of the United States since George Washington had the Continental Army. Interesting. Okay. See, see, we've got this concept that that the military protects our country. Now, the military protects the strategic interests of our country. The military does not throw our streets. The military, mm-hmm. you know, that that is yeah. a, in, in a, our society. That's FBI. A, that's a policing okay. function, a law enforcement function. Mm-hmm. FBI, police, you know, mm-hmm. those 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 kinds of things. And so the uh, the idea of we're going to create military organization responsible for emergency response within the confines of the United States. Mm, okay. you know, it was a totally foreign concept. Well, and illegal at one point, and, right? And illegal at one okay. point. I, I often say, if on the 10th of September 2001, you had heard that us military guys were planning on shooting commercial airliners out of the sky, you would have court-martialed us and put us in jail. Yeah. After 9-11, you were very happy for us to assume that responsibility. It's a beautiful example of what you used to do, you don't do anymore. You don't do anymore. And or what you didn't do, you now do. Or the things that made you successful before mm-hmm. may not be the same things that make you successful now. So if you're a company who, who is a service, you know, makes its money and has a value proposition by doing services, mm-hmm. and you change over to a product delivery company, mm-hmm. The things that made you successful as a services company won't necessarily make you successful as a product delivery company. And so when you're talking about cultural change, Mm -hmm. having that bigger picture, think big, in mind is very, Mm -hmm. very important. So can you give, for listeners, these are great conceptual terms, but can you give a couple or a concrete example? I love the idea that as the Air Force, what you did significantly changed and how you used satellites and how you positioned them and what you observed. I'm assuming all of that changed. Yes, it did. Okay. What what did you do to change the culture okay. rather than where the satellites were aimed? Okay. The, the, the first thing I had to do is what talent do we have available for the new responsibilities? Okay. Okay. So all the talent that I worked with in the space community culture mm-hmm. had to be augmented by people who knew what natural disasters were. For instance, ah. our very, you know, so we stood up on, on the 1st of October 2002, mm-hmm. and a hurricane hit Texas the very first week. Okay. And so I get a call that says, we need, and I'm thinking, what the heck is a Cat 3 hurricane? 
And oh, so really? We, I lived in Florida. I knew what a Cat 5 hurricane that's was. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, we had to get experts to explain mm -hmm. what's a Cat 3 hurricane, what's the impact, what's mm -hmm. this, you know, you know what. And, and so, so the, the first thing that you have to do if you have that significant change mm -hmm. is after mm -hmm. you assess your talent, then you have to find places for your existing talent to go elsewhere in the organization mm -hmm. or out of the organization. And you have to attract, recruit, retain, and train new talent to come mm -hmm. into us in those responsibilities. Okay. And that's been a theme today across the day. It has. Is the it importance has. of talent. It is. And and I believe that that's the Achilles heel, particularly of the technical business. And, okay. and one of the points that, that I tried to make, we talked about STEM all day. Mm -hmm. Many of your listeners probably are very familiar with the acronym STEM, mm -hmm. you know, science, technology, engineering, and math. I don't believe in STEM. If, if, if you listen to my presentation, I believe in STEAM. S-T-E-E-M. So there's an additional E. And it stands for English, as in being able to tell your story. Mm -hmm. Being able to, you know, have have the gravity of the situation understood by all stakeholders, embraced, mm -hmm. and going forward. And so, so when, when I talk to technical audiences about the importance mm -hmm. of STEM, I always add the other E. Okay. English being the metaphor for you've got to be able to relate that to people that are not steeped in your technology, that are not steeped mm -hmm. in, in your tradition or knowledge or things like that, but have a very important input into the future of your success. So one of the people I interviewed a while back was one of the TEDx organizers. Sure. And her whole focus is helping people tell their stories. Yeah, exactly. That if I come up with a bunch of data, mm -hmm. uh, people are out. That's right. I mean, they they are sound asleep, or their variation yeah. of not paying attention to yeah. me. And that's one in about gene. two minutes. Yeah, that's one gene that is missing from the technically <laughs> oriented people. Yeah. Well, the value placed on it. Yeah. It, I I led a study here in Columbus a few years ago, uh, with regard to attract and retain talent, and one of the biggest shortfalls was communication and the other was conflict mm -hmm. how, how do I interact with someone sure. and you talked about earlier the, the idea of gathering different perspectives yes. and if I'm not open to different perspectives that looks like conflict yes yeah, absolutely okay so so what you're referring to is a McKinsey study that mm -hmm. was done a little over a year ago in, in which they asked over 1800 leaders of mm -hmm. a certain kind of classification category, what behaviors, you know, were successful for them. And for leaders. For leaders. And 90% mm -hmm. of them only had four of all of the things. Mm -hmm. and, and the business about being open to other perspectives was mm -hmm. in that top four. Uh, and, and, if you, and if you look at the study, those four were in 90% and, and, and the next one, and they were all good things, they were mm -hmm. you know, all mm -hmm. important things, mm -hmm. collaboration, uh, you know, making good decisions. Uh, you know, all, mm -hmm. all those other kinds of things. They weren't. They weren't as. Uh, they didn't matter as much to the final outcome mm -hmm. because those four were being results oriented, uh, open to perspectives, uh, uh, supportive, and uh, and solving problems. And actually, we read the same studies. <laughs> so I and I I balance that against some of our leadership behaviors, sure. and they're consistent. Now we have more than four. But that idea of being open to different perspectives, especially in a time where 
the world is changing so quickly, any one leader can't have all of yeah. the answers. Yeah. It's just not possible anymore. Not, not only that, but there, there's, there's an expectation of people that work in organizations mm -hmm. that the expectation that if they have an opinion, they expect it to be heard by everybody. The idea of social networking, the idea yeah. of all of those other kinds of things. And so this, this interferes with, you know, the management hierarchy of leadership mm -hmm. and all those other kinds of things. And so, so that's the agility that today's modern leaders mm -hmm. need to be able to handle. Handle well, handle in the right way mm -hmm. so that they don't sidestep the chain of command, so to speak, mm -hmm. the hierarchy that works for them, but at the same time give that connective feeling to everybody who's part of the organization. It's interesting, the idea of support, and I hearken back to a CIO I worked with who had an open door policy. And then he comes into my office one day, I was his advisor, and he said, I can't believe that idiot just came in and said this. Why does he work for us? <laughs> <laughs> you can't have an open door, door policy, policy. Exactly. when then you say they're idiots, we should fire mm -hmm. them. And it really was quite poignant yeah. in that all of his words mm -hmm. were supportive, mm -hmm. but his actions were really quite the contrary okay so so uh, you know a little thing that, that that I used to do some somebody you know down in the ranks think that they need to be heard or, or their opinion mm -hmm. I invite them to come to my office with their boss ah beautiful and, okay. and, and so I sit the boss along the side of the wall mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. I deal directly yeah. so that this yeah. person can feel that okay they talked to the big boss and you mm -hmm. know, they mm -hmm. were heard and all that mm -hmm. other kind of good stuff but at the same time the person who is most likely going to solve the issue was a part of it mm -hmm. and not in an interfering way. I, I like that because I think of early in my career, like I was 21 uh, and I was in finance and we drank a lot. So we were all out drinking and my boss's boss asked me something and I was up for promotion and I was like, you know, he hasn't done anything and gets back to me. And he's like, you didn't need to know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And you will never do that again. Mm -hmm. And it really was, a, again, a hard lesson in chain of command. Sure. And it, the message was, you're lucky you didn't get fired over this. Yeah. And, and I did get promoted, yeah. but that yeah. learning... It, it, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a very, very important thing. And it's a nuance that a lot of people that deal in hierarchies and bureaucracies mm -hmm. have a hard time getting used to. But there are all kinds of, of, of techniques where where you you maintain that connectedness mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. with, with the people in the organization that they, that they are positive that the thing, their mm -hmm. inputs are being heard and considered the fact that they get a chance to voice them is only part of the yeah. issue the fact that somebody listened evaluated and, and took care of it is, is very much uh, you know a, a part of today's yeah North American culture and oh by the way you don't find that culture in, in Asia in Asian companies mm -hmm. you don't find that you know and so so that, that's another reason why I made the point a, a couple times today mm -hmm. was is that the basics of leadership are, are always constant the context in which they take place are the ones that are changing and changing rapidly so the basics may be constant but my behavior that's is right. different in that's one right. country than another oh, or in one company versus yeah. another yeah. Or, you know, for, for for instance, and a lot of people, you know, when, when they when they think of, of organizations, you know, a three-person startup has an organization. Of course, it does. You know, three-person startup. You know, you may be the chief financial officer, mm -hmm. but there are only mm -hmm. three of us, and somebody needs to figure out uh, this problem with uh, with a contract. And so one of the mm -hmm. three of us is going to do it. And one of us is going to empty the trash cans. And one of us, or we're going to take turns. That's right. 
That's right. And and so so it's always you know leadership is relationship based. Mm -hmm. Management is process based. And I think that's a beautiful distinction. Is as the leader, I need to be able to see the vision, mm -hmm. inspire people to follow me, mm -hmm. and management is I implement it. And as you said doesn't have to be the same person but it often is mm -hmm. in the three-person company we're leading ourselves we're leading each other we're yeah. influencing and right. any one of us messes up we're likely not in business anymore that's right whereas the business the element of having a bureaucracy there is a resilience to a bureaucracy, yeah. That, that's, that's right. There, you know, there is overhead that cover things. Uh, mm -hmm. A larger bureaucracy can sustain a setback or a loss mm -hmm. or an mm -hmm. issue for a longer period of time than a startup can. Uh, and, and again, you know, the, the, the principles of leadership are probably the same for both. The context, how you apply them, and, and, and uh, how, how you work the various elements mm -hmm. and outcomes are probably what's very, very different. And so it's not a cookie cutter. It's not a cookie cutter. <laughs> we used to talk about context, content, mm -hmm. both drive mm -hmm. course of action. Right. And your context and mine now are similar, but when you were in the Air Force, clearly not similar. That's right. I was in a big That's consulting right. firm and you were in the military. That's right. And there were some similarities, but mm -hmm. certainly you could court-martial people and I could not. Yes, yes. Again, the, the element of, of the military had a command and control element mm -hmm. to it, mm -hmm. a mission element to it, and and you got to remember what the purpose of the military is. Now, if if directed, if you know, mm -hmm. under their proper authority, is to mm -hmm. blow things up and kill things. Yeah, I never did that. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good thing. We, we, you know, <laughs> unless, unless you're in the military carrying out a proper military mission, we don't want you to do that. <laughs> we call we would call me a criminal. That's right. So, exactly. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> exactly. So as we're coming to a close. Are there a couple of key messages you would like our listeners to take away? Okay. Well, you know, we, we've, we've talked about, about many important things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, you know, kind of the hierarchy is is, is talent trumps all. Okay. It, 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 it really does. Uh, you know, you, you can even change the mission of an organization if mm -hmm. you've got the right talent. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it, 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 really, it really doesn't matter. And if you're the leader of an organization, you need to spend most of your time doing that. I used to have this role of 80-20. Of when I was mm -hmm. a CIO of a large organization, I spent 80% of my time on people issues and only 20% of my time on everything else. So, so just to recap that, because this is an important fact, and most leaders that I've worked with, I think this is not necessarily what they're able to do. So as the CIO of the intelligence organizations for the U.S. government. You spent 80% of your time on people issues. I did. I did indeed. Okay, so here's how, here's how I viewed it. I did not have a job. I had a responsibility and moral commitment. Okay, and that's in make, another word. Moral commitment. Moral commitment. To make sure that I had the right people uh -huh. working the right jobs at the right time for the right reasons doing the right things. And lining up all of those rights is what mm -hmm. made it more commitment. And it's interesting because not many of the people I've worked with look at their job as a moral commitment. We talk about values. Sure, sure. And, and you know, part of that is, is, is I grew up in the public sector, mm -hmm. you know, over three decades in the United States military, and uh, and, and three years, uh, you know, working out of the administration. Mm -hmm. And and there, there is a moral commitment to the American mm -hmm. people. 
for those kinds of, of responsibilities. And, and I can I can guarantee you that all of my peers, everybody mm-hmm. I work I worked with, saw it as a moral commitment. It was not something that we did. It was who we are. And that's a huge differentiator. And where I see the connection with our theory is at the later stages of development, we don't do a job. Mm-hmm. I can't separate who I am from what I do. Sure. I would, I wouldn't say I would do it for free. That's not always true. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you do have to live. <laughs> but, but I can't not do it. And I realize yeah. that's grammatically incorrect, but I can't. Yeah stop doing that thing that I think is my life's purpose. Sure. And so you call it moral commitment. I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what I call it other than a purpose. Sure. It is a compelling thing that makes us us. And it is inseparable from my identity. Sure. And, and absolutely. And, and, and so, so in essence, I've got four decades of how I do business, why mm-hmm. I do business, the way I do, the way I think, and all mm-hmm. those other kinds of things, all built upon upon the idea of uh, doing the right thing at the right time. Dale, thank you. What a pleasure to interview you. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. You bet. And hopefully you will consider being a guest with us again. You bet. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel, and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. In summary of Dr. Meyer Rose's presentation, talent trumps all. If you're a leader of an organization, you should spend 80% of your time on people issues and 20% of your time on everything else. 
According to Dr. Meyer Rose, his moral commitment was to have the right people doing the right job at the right time for the right reasons and doing the right thing. The word that stood out for me was moral commitment. How many of us actually see our jobs as a moral commitment? So the successful mindset of a CIO of the future in Dale's words are up and out. Looking toward the future and connecting with stakeholders, stockholders, and customers. On He compares this to down and in, which is internally focused on my tasks, which often results in IT being seen as a commodity. Dr. Meyer has also talked about the culture change that must take place to align with the changes in leadership direction. So as our organization changes, not only do we change the tasks we do, but we have to change the culture of IT, where we focus, how we do our work, and how we think about ourselves. And so both Ty Lee and Dr. Myra's focused heavily on the idea that leaders set the tone. They help align the culture through their actions, through their mindset, and also through the systems that support and reinforce. He also talked about the modern leader needing to demonstrate agility, which is part of both the leadership mindset and culture. And this is helping people feel connected to their teams and gathering appropriate input. Again, back to the idea of people and talent trumps all. People voice their input and they have to be considered in the decision-making process. And so I, as a leader, need to have a feedback loop that lets people know that they were heard, their ideas were taken into account, even though I may not have implemented their suggestion exactly as they made it. He also points out that culture differs across countries and that while people in the continental U.S. may have a different orientation around mindset than folks in other countries and realizing that leadership is relationship-based. So as the leader, I see that I see the vision and it's my job to inspire. So back to culture, I have to understand the people whom I'm leading and what they expect from me and then in addition to leading, I also have to manage. So people doing the right thing at the right time. Dr. Meyer has talked about the principles of leadership being the same across organizations, and yet how it is implemented is very specific to context. So again, back to talent trumps all. One of the common questions I hear from technology leaders is, with all the changes, how can I manage the deluge of information and identify the critical elements to stay current? To figure it out, I interviewed Angelo Mazzocco, one of the founders of this conference, about his thoughts on development to understand what shaped his thinking when he invited high-profile keynote speakers to the CIO Tomorrow conference. The questions for Angelo were, what trends are you following? What would you recommend the broader CIO community focus on? And what are you focusing on yourself? And how is sharing that with the conference enabling this to be a useful conversation for all who participate? And what Angelo really focused on was cloud-based computing, providing opportunities to disrupt many organizations. The second is cybersecurity. So, so as we move into cybersecurity, I'd like to give an example from a December interview with Mike Sayer and have him provide an example of an instance of cybersecurity and the implications. 
Um, so let me give you an example because I think those, those always help the most. So then last year, the German government actually reported, and I say actually because it's not done quite so often, it's not done in great detail as you'll hear, uh, reported that um, there was a cyber attack on a steel mill in Germany. So hackers sent phishing emails into the corporate office of the steel mill to try to steal usernames and passwords, and they were successful. They used those usernames and passwords to break back into the corporate network, to break through the firewalls into the control systems that actually run the equipment in the plant. One of the largest pieces of equipment in a steel mill is a blast furnace. And a blast furnace is several stories high. It's full of iron ore and other materials that are being melted at about 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit um, to, to, to make steel. So these guys broke through the firewall into the control system. They, they changed some of the settings in the blast furnace and actually created a huge explosion. And the, 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 the most amount of detail that the German government would, would give is that it caused massive damage. Wow. So years ago I was consulting uh, at, in the U.S. Air Force. And to be relevant, I wanted to understand some of our security concerns as a, as a government, as a country. And one of the presenters at the Air War College was Alvin Toffler, and he talked about the future of, of warfare, so tracking from during the agrarian era, people would farm during the summer and fight during the winter and then come home to their farms and, and, and farm. And how war has evolved during the industrial era, we're able to mass produce bombs and we just not much precision, but a lot of damage. Yeah. Then we went to smart bombs. And for those of us during Desert Storm who watched the the bunker blaster bomb we we saw the precision, and what he talked about was the next wave of warfare would be this hackers being able to, from around the world, they, they no longer need to show up in planes or put their own lives at risk. They can sit at a keyboard somewhere on the planet and, and get into large systems, shut down power grids, blow up nuclear plants, and so we're talking about, when you talk about defense, you really are talking about foundational equipment that runs our country and our infrastructure and keeping it safe. Yeah, we, we absolutely are. And, you know, they, you know, uh, another challenge with that is they, they don't even know who did it. And Still. So attribution, at least the last time I that I saw anything on it, uh, they, they they were not able to figure out who did it. Could have been inside people. Could have been employees, a good disgruntled employee, but it also could have been a nation state or somebody else with some sort of axe to grind with the steel company. Who knows, right? It, it could be anything like that. But, you know, there's uh, – in that story um, – it needs to be told that uh, control systems are very different from your business systems. This is probably the hardest thing that people have getting over this. You know, they're, they're worried about information security, about mm -hmm. people stealing their credit card information, their social security numbers, you know, and the Sony have where they're stealing email, all those. Those are all information security, right? The, the, the dangers are information-oriented. Mm -hmm. 
So these are control systems that are controlling physical equipment. The consequences are very physical. In your business network, mm-hmm. you're, you, you've got laptop, laptops, desktops, printers, you know, wireless routers, that kind of equipment. In a control systems network, you have some of those, but they're attached to things like programmable logic controllers, which are controlled to switches and valves and pumps and things that are physically running that equipment like that blast furnace. So... So, again, the question is, as a CIO, how do I stay current on the stuff that really matters and invest my money and effort in those areas and put the other topics to the back burner? And according to this conference, given the disruptions that are on our current landscape, two of the most currently important opportunities are protecting from cybersecurity issues and leveraging the cloud to create more accessibility and also financial advantage. So I hope you have enjoyed the interviews. We look forward to hearing your input. Please email me at info at metcalf-associates.com and I will either get back to you directly and or read your emails on air. This is Maureen Metcalf. Enjoy your day. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.